0: When we're thinking about this year and which way we were going to go with the year, we're speaking about vision right now and this month. And one of the most important things to do for vision is just not to know where everybody fits and what everybody's doing in every department and all the micromanaging of the church. But it's so important to have prophetic vision. Who knows that? It says that God does not do anything without first revealing it to his servants, the prophets. And so there's a place where God will download to the leadership of the church, to the team of the church, to the prophetic people of the church, to those that have a heart to hear God, because we are a prophetic people. He will download where he wants us to go, what he wants us to do, and that forms our vision for a year. And so that's why we have a theme for a whole year, because we're saying, what's God saying for this year, and then we want a theme according to what God says. Who knows that we don't want to take a step, not even a step, unless God has ordained that step. We want to pray and wait on God, and then we move. That's what we need to do. We pray, wait on God, and then we move. So over the break, you know, we were praying and waiting on God, and clearly heard God say to us that he has ordained this year as a year of rest and revive and he put that deeply into our hearts when we shared it with our team everybody just went yeah like that just so gels with us That just so sits with us and it's one thing to say rest and revive it's another thing to say well what does that mean what does does that mean we can all take a holiday we can sleep in we can just like chill out we can no, that's not what God is saying. So I want to explain a little bit of that to you this morning. Is that okay? Yeah. You know, we live in a really, really anxious world, don't we? Who knows that? You know, we're, everybody says, well, it's so busy. You know, we have no time. Everything's so busy. It's so hard. There seems to be no time for anything. You know, we're, we're just bombarded by information all the time, by technology all the time. We're working. seems like we're working longer hours, but we're not. But the difference is, in this generation, is that, yes, it is going faster. Yes, there's a lot of information. But we in this generation need to learn how to find the rest of God in the midst of the anxiety around us. If I was about to, you know, if I was to ask, even in this room, how many people have panic attacks, anxiety, depression, are on medication for those things, you'd find there's quite a few people that struggle with that, really deeply struggle with that. And God wants to come and he wants to, in this year of Rest and Revive, he wants to bring us into a place where we are actually opposing the spirit that, of the world that's coming against the church. And come and find a place of rest and revive in God. Amen. So it says here in Exodus 20 verse eight, "Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And then Exodus 2011 says, "For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them and rested." Everyone say, rested. Rested on the seventh day, therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. We know the story of Moses and the Israelites, how God sent Moses to bring the Israelites out of captivity, out of Egypt, out of captivity. And in that, we see actually what is our salvation kind of type of where Jesus has come to bring us out of captivity, out of slavery, lead us through into the promised land and teach us how to rest on the way. That's basically what he did for the Israelites. Brought them out of captivity, said that he was going to take them into a promised land and then he gave them ways on how to rest on the way. Now, it didn't mean they stopped walking. It didn't mean they stopped moving. It didn't mean they stopped working. It didn't mean they stopped trying. But there was a rest in everything they did if they would just listen to God. You know, it says here in this scripture here, in Exodus 13, 21, it says, By day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light So they could travel by day or by night. You know, God was saying to them, I'm going to put a pillar, a cloud over you during the day. And I'm going to give you a fire at night. If you just stay under that covering, if you just stay in that place, if you just walk when I walk, if you just move when I tell you to move, if you change camps when I tell you to change camps, if you stay under that cloud, the cloud of glory, the cloud of God's presence, the cloud of protection and that fire at night that lights the way in those dark times. If you just look for my fire in those dark moments of your life, if you just do that, then everything will be fine with you. It says in Psalm 103, 7, he made known his ways to Moses and his deeds and his acts. To the children of Israel. In other words, you can say it like this. Moses knew the ways of God. But the children of Israel only knew the deeds or the acts of God. So they really didn't get it. They kind of didn't get it. They God was saying, this is the way that you enter into rest. By being in relationship with me. By listening to me. By seeking me. By hearing... By understanding my ways, my character, the way that I think. If you could just get into tune with the way I think, the way I move, the reason I say things, the reason I do things. Not just looking for the deeds that I do or or being a spectator of who I am. But actually coming into a deeper place. They just didn't get it. Moses did. Moses would go and seek the face of God. He would, he would get the glory on him. He would be in that place. He understood relationship. He understood walking with God, talking with God, seeking God, moving when God moves, stopping when God stops. But the people of Israel just didn't get it. They didn't lean or trust on, in God. They just couldn't do it. They, 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 they just, God would say, You know, I'm going to give you, your clothes will never wear out. Your shoes will never wear out. I'm going to give you water. I'm going to provide you with manna. And they were always wondering, how can we, you know, how can we do this without trusting God? We can't trust God. How can we trust God? He's not going to bring us away. You know, we should just go back to Egypt. And, you know, they always wanted to do things their own way. They were never really trusting in God. They didn't trust in Him. They didn't lean on Him but they lived in unbelief. You know, there's a rhythm in rest. There's a rhythm in rest that we need to understand. And we can only understand that rhythm of rest if we know the ways of God and we understand the reasoning behind why he says what he says why he leads us the way he leads us. And the only way we can find the rhythm of rest is to come into a deep, deep relationship with him. Amen? Now, this is the scripture I want to bring you into. So we know that God said to the Israelites, you will never enter into my rest because you just don't get it. You just don't get it. You're not going to enter into my rest. But in Hebrews, we pick it up in the New Testament, which is talking about the scenario, but it uses the word today. So today, in other words, now, there's another opportunity for those who are in Christ to enter into that rest. Today, so it says here in verse 1, Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found having fallen short of it. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us just as they did. We also had someone come rescue us, bring us out of slavery, had good news proclaimed to us just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Now we Who have believed entered that rest as God has said. So I declared an oath in my anger. They shall never enter my rest. So he's remembering back. And yet his works have been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. On the seventh day, God rested from all his works. He's trying to give us a hint here about what he means about this rest. God rested on the seventh day. You know, why can't you get what this means? Therefore, since it still remains for some to enter that rest, and since those who formerly had the good news proclaimed to them did not go in because of their disobedience, God again said a certain day, calling it today, calling it today. Then he did when a long time later he spoke through David. This he did when a long time later he spoke through David, as in the passage already quoted. Today, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken about another day which is today. Amen. There remains then, everyone say there remains then, a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. I want to talk about that in a minute. We enter that rest and we rest from our works just as God did. So, We we can't understand that in our own thinking that we rest from our works the way that we think. Resting from our works means resting from our works, but we have to say just as God did. So we need to understand how did God rest from his works, all right? I want to bring that up in a minute. When you think of rest, what is the first thought that comes to mind? Everybody just go. First thought. Sleep. Most people would say sleep. Phil says relax. Some people would go go surfing, you know. I think of um, a relaxing bath away from noise and people, and somewhere I can lock myself away. A good book maybe is what I would think. Rest, but God's example of rest that He wants us to enter into is found in Genesis two two, and it says, "On the seventh day, God rested." The Scripture tells us that God does not sleep or slumber. Is that right? Does it also say he does not grow weary? Right. So if God doesn't sleep or slumber and he doesn't grow weary, then the rest that God had would be different from the type of rest that we think it means. Is that right? (laughs) So he had been creating the earth for six days. Is that right? Yeah. And on the seventh day, this is what rest was to God. He sat back with a sense of well-being And rested in the beauty of all that he had created. He had a sense of satisfaction, of completeness. He was content to be in that moment and enjoy his creation. The rest that God wants us to have is to cease from our labor, to cease from our busyness and to find our rest in the beauty of him and all that He has created for us. A place where we can just sit back and stop. That's why he created the Sabbath. It's, it's one day in our lives where we can just stop and think about God. And rest in him. And draw from his strength and worship him. And come together as a body and enjoy the beauty of each other and what God has created us to be. And perhaps in the afternoon, go to the beach and enjoy the beauty of his creation. Enjoy time with your kids and just, just sit back and watch your kids playing in front of you just, and just breathe in the rest of God that everything is fine. Everything's Okay. I'm under a cloud. I've got a fire leading me. God's made everything. And I can rest in the knowledge that it's all good. God is good. Amen. To breathe in deeply and breathe out with divine content. We're at peace. In right standing with God, there's no greater peace inside you than you are at right standing with God through Jesus Christ. To breathe that in, to go, God, I'm good with you. Because of Jesus, I'm good with you. I don't have to wrestle and fight, beat myself up and try so hard to please you, God. There's a rest in not trying to please God, not trying to please anyone, anybody else knowing who you are in God hearing his voice speak to you encourage you exhort you who you are what you're going to become how much he loves you that he's you're his child taking time to listen to his voice and build you up on the inside so you know that you're the unique, incredible creation that has created you to be and to rest in that knowledge, to rest in that place. This is the rest that we need to learn about. This is the rest that we will unfold for a year to teach all of us, including ourselves, how to breathe. You know, when I was getting this download from God, I, I just saw the church like a body, as it is, and I saw the lungs of the church, and the lungs of the church were restricted in their breathing. It was like the church, I'm not just talking our church, the church as large, at large was like only taking shallow breaths. It was like, I've only got time to take a shallow breath, <gasps> and it was like, it's like the whole church was just not breathing properly. And the Lord said to me, I want to release the church to breathe. I want to teach them how to have space and rest in a crazy world that they can fill their lungs with all that I am. You see, Adam was, you know, he was just created out of the dust of the earth and he was just just an entity. And then God breathed, breathed on him and life. Life came and I saw, the, I saw God and it was like he was breathing on his church and it was like the lungs of the church were filling up and it was like a rhythm of breath. As God breathed, the church breathed and we came into a rhythm of rest that gave us the energy and the strength to do more than we did before but not be worn out. Because we learned how to rest and breathe in the rhythm of God. How to stay under that cloud. How to stay under that fire at night. How to walk as he walks. How to understand his character. How to understand his ways. And to be like him. And to come into rhythm with him. And to appreciate the beauty of everything that he has given us. And to breathe it in. Amen. Breathing in his peace, breathing in his presence, breathing in his love, breathing in his strength, breathing in his renewal as he revives us and renews us. Amen. Do you know that the seventh day, you can correct me if I'm wrong, scholars, but the seventh day is the first day. So, God rested on the first day. We call it the seventh day, but it was the first day. It was the beginning. God created, and then on the first day, if we look at it like that, He rested. And so, His pattern for our lives is this Sunday is our first day, it's our first day of the week. It's not the end of the week where I come after I'm worn out all week and I just flop into church and say, revive me if you can. Do something with this mess I am, if you can, God. And, uh, you know, I'm wasted. I'm tired. I don't feel like standing up. I don't feel like singing. I don't feel like doing anything because I've had six days of work and I've come here to for, so that you can know... I think the pattern that we need to get is to change our thinking about the seventh-day Sabbath and make it a first-day Sabbath, to say this is the beginning of your week. So this is where you get your strength to do the week. This is where you get to breathe God in, to come under his cloud of glory, to download heaven, to get your strength. This is where, where you face Monday as the second day of the week The whole rest of the week when we put God first goes well. And when we rest in the Sabbath, when we truly rest in the Sabbath, even Sunday afternoons, you know, like, you know, don't go and watch some crappy movie on a Sunday. Don't go to the shops and buy new clothes on a Sunday. Like really use the Sabbath rest for for enjoying what God has given you the creation that's around you, the people that are around you. Yes, do dinner parties. Have time with your kids, you know. Stop and breathe and and be in the moment. Be in the moment on that Sunday. Shut out that whole crazy world and be in the moment with you, your church family, your family and your God. And use the whole day. As a time to stop. God wouldn't have told us to stop if he didn't think we needed it. But we have to rest in the way he tells us to rest. Amen. And we breathe it in. We spend that whole Sunday. And then, if that's the first day in my week, then my Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday is going to look a whole bunch different because now I'm going to do my Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday out of rest, because I rested first and then I moved. And my whole week's going to come into a place of rest in God because I gave God the Sabbath and started my week in Him. And your kids, they'll come into that rest. So the seventh day being the first day, not the other way around. Amen? Oh, I love that. So you can see that it's not a lazy, layback back rest. It's not like we're giving you the year off, guys. You've got the year off. You don't even have to come to church if you don't want to. Just go do your own thing. No, it's absolutely not that. And so we're going to learn to do everything that we do, everything that we live is going to come out of a place of rest and we're going to take a whole year to learn about it. It's going to be amazing. We're going to keep, keep putting it in there because it says this in Hebrews 4 and this is the amplified version Hebrews 4:11 let us therefore be zealous and exert ourselves and strive diligently to enter that rest of God to know and experience it for ourselves so that says to me it ain't going to happen to lazy people you're not going to find that rest just hanging out and sleeping but it says to me that there's got to come a zealousness about it. There's got to come a passion about it. There's got to come an excitement about finding this rest. There's got to come a, a discovering, an adventure. There's got to come something on your part. Who knows that you don't get much out of a relationship if it's just one way? Not much at all. So there's something on your part. And they're saying here, it doesn't make sense, does it? Exert yourselves. Strive diligently. Diligently. To enter the rest. What? That doesn't make sense, does it? But God knows there's a war against you. He knows there's a war against you entering into rest. He knows there's an enemy who wants to destroy you. He knows there's a world that's going crazy around you and your kids. And He knows you've got to fight for that rest with everything inside of you. He knows that you've got to fight to get here to church. He knows that you've got to fight to spend a Sabbath in God. Amen? And so we zealously enter into it. I want to put this challenge out to you, all of us, to me included. 2017, let's keep the Sabbath rest. Oh, it's Auntie Martha's birthday. Is Auntie Martha more important than God? But she's 84. Well, you we need to come to church and pray for her more that she gets saved. You know what I mean? Like everything else seems more important. Oh, we'll just God tack on the end of our life, if he fits into my life. This is the kind of place we're coming to in society, in our culture. But it's like, no, God first, God first, God first, God first, first, Sabbath first, Sabbath first, first day of the week, first, 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 first. first. Let it be a year of first. The other thing that I want to help you to do is not only to give the Sabbath first to God, but then to give the first part of your day to God, as an offering to God. Because if you, who knows, if you start your day in God, the whole day goes well then. So we break it down now. We're breaking it down to a daily Sabbath in God. Because we're in Christ, we're coming to daily Sabbath. Now, I know that there's been a lot of stuff out there that says, you know, you need to pray for an hour and you need to fight. And all this really like intense stuff, really unobtainable goals that we just go there's no way I can fit that into my life but I'll tell you what I would like to do today I'd like to put out another challenge could you give God seven minutes of your day before you start anything for seven weeks and see if it changes your life seven minutes a day for seven weeks and I guarantee you that it's going to change your world. So what does that mean? Setting the alarm seven minutes earlier. If you know the baby's going to wake up for a feed, set your alarm a bit earlier. No, I'm talking to, like, as a mum, I know what it's like. You just open your eyes and there's a baby wanting you, there's no space to do anything, because you've got to get away from all distractions to to have that seven minutes. It can't be, I'll do seven minutes while I'm driving to work. Forget it. This is a place where we've got to connect with God for seven minutes, me and God uninterrupted, seven minutes, first thing in the morning. So I've been doing that. I'm just like you. Um, what do you call it? Guinea pig. Okay, I've guinea pigged it out and I've been working the seven minutes and it's working for me. Crash test dummy, Phil says. So it's working for me. And so the first part of the day, you know, I begin to just go to my seven-minute time and I've got my, my book of psalms there, the Passion Translation version, which I'm working through one psalm a day. And I've got my highlighting pens there and then I, I've got my music. Sometimes I don't even play music, which is strange for me. But I just did, in the presence of God, I said, I've got seven minutes. So, Lord, I just, first thing I do is I just lift up your name. I thank you, Lord, for your presence in my life. I thank you, God, that you're here right now. I thank you that you are with me. Help me see in this scripture what you need me to see. Help it speak to me, these scriptures today. I pick up my psalm book and I go to the psalm that I'm up to today, which the other day it was Psalm 29. And so I'm reading through Psalm 29 and I'm just going, oh, there's none of this doing anything for me. You know, when you're reading it, it's like, you know, well, it was good stuff, like God is mighty and God is strong and he's powerful and he's in charge. And I'm like, oh, I know all that. You know, that's sort of not speaking to me personally. And then I just come across this line, Psalm 29, 11. And it says this, This is the one who gives his strength and might to his people. This is the Lord giving his kiss of peace. And I just stopped. I went, oh, my God. And I highlight it. This is the Lord giving me his kiss of peace. What does a kiss of peace mean to me? Then I go back into there. What does a kiss of peace mean to me? You know, and I remember that I wasn't allowed to leave my home when I was growing up unless my mom says, Did you get your kiss? And I'd have to go and get a kiss off mom before I left the house. It was just like this thing we had. She'd give me a kiss. I still do it to my kids today, don't I, Jess? Evan loves it. And uh, he does. He loves it. He comes for it. He says, here's my kiss. You know, he just loves it. But I thought about that and I thought, wow, what it would be like if we just stopped to get God's kiss before we started our day? And so then I let my godly imagination work. This is all in seven minutes. I let my godly imagination work then and I just closed my eyes. What would it be like for God to kiss me right now? And I just closed my eyes and I let my imagination work. It's okay to have godly imagination, it's sanctified by God. And I got this picture of God coming in and just grabbing both sides of my head like this and he just kissed me on my head. Just like that on the top of my head. And I just went, melt. It's just like melt. And talk about peace. Talk about connection. Talk about relationship. Whoa, me and God. Seven minutes. See, I didn't say seven minutes. I've got to pray through everything that I need to pray through in seven minutes. Oh, God bless my kids. You know, it's about relationship. It's about waiting on God, but using the Scriptures as a way to God to speak to you. It's it's an incredible thing. Another part of this rhythm of rest that God's speaking to us about as a church, and the last point that I have is, we've talked about the seventh day rest, the Sabbath. We've talked about the first part of your day, seven minutes for seven weeks. And you know what? Just on the on on the side order of that, I have chips on the side. You do that seven minutes for seven weeks. It won't be long before you want to do fourteen minutes, because when you've experienced relationship, you want more. When you experience that God's loving you, speaking to you, you want more of that, and that it doesn't come out of works. Then it comes out of rest. It comes out of a place of I just want to hang with God because I just feel so good when I'm with Him. So that's going to change you. So the third part that God's speaking to about this year of rest is um, that in Leviticus twenty five four it says this. But during the seventh year, the Lord must have a Sabbath year of. am com- sorry, I'm going to say that again. But during the seventh year, the land must have a Sabbath year of complete rest. It is the Lord's Sabbath. Do not plant your fields or prune your vineyards during this year. The land will observe a Sabbath. God spoke to Moses at Mount Sinai. Speak to the people of Israel. Tell them, when you enter the land which I am giving to you, the land will observe a Sabbath to God. Sow your fields, prune your vineyards, and take in your vineyards for six years... About the seventh year, the land will take a Sabbath of complete and total rest, a Sabbath to God. You will not sow your fields or prune your vineyards. Don't reap what grows of itself. Don't harvest the grapes of your untended vines. The land gets a year of complete and total rest. But you can eat from the land what the land volunteers. In other words, the overflow of favour and abundance What the land volunteers during the Sabbath year, you and your men and women servants, your hired hands, the foreigners who live in the country, and of course also the livestock and the wild animals in the land can eat from it. Whatever the land volunteers of itself can be eaten. The third thing the Lord showed me was this field, and it was just dirt. And I looked at it and I said, God, what is that? He said, that's the land resting on the seventh year. And I didn't quite understand it because I didn't actually understand Scripturally, that it said that. I didn't know that. And so I said, oh, so that's like the farmers. It must be a farming terminology. And I think if anyone's a farmer in here, you'd probably say, yes, that's right, that there's a time after harvest that the the soil needs to rest to build the nutrients in the soil again before you plant more seeds and before you bring in the next harvest. And then the Lord spoke to me that. And then when I was sharing it with Luke, Luke says to me, Julie, do you know that God is speaking to me about I didn't even share with you. You you bought me the scripture and said, God's speaking to me about this. I said, Oh my gosh, that's a vision I had. That's amazing. We're on the phone, oh, so long talking about it. We were so excited because we realized that God was giving this ministry, this church, this land, this harvest field, a rest where he's gonna sow nutrients into the soil of this church where he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna come and he's we gotta trust him, right? So it's, it's like people will still come and get saved because they're still going to eat what's falling off the, the vines from last season. You know what I mean? We're still going to be fed. But there's this sense of ceasing from work and striving. So we're not going to do like men's, men's events this year, big events. We're not going to do big women's events this year. We're just going to take time to just be in each other's worlds and build strength for what God's about to bring. Because there's... In this year of rest on the land, on the soil, there was a preparation for the coming harvest, for the coming planting season and harvest season. And unless that soil rested, that harvest would not live. And I think about God when I think about what He's about to do on the earth. And prophetically, we see what He's about to do on the earth. People all over the earth are talking about it. All the prophets are speaking about it. There is coming a move of God like we have never seen in history before. It will not be like other moves of God. You know, so don't look for people falling on the ground, shaking, laughing. Any like It's not like anything we've seen before. What it's going to be is an outpouring of the liquid love of God that is going to melt hearts, melt lives, where people are going to fall to their knees, My God loves me so much, I need him. They're going to be totally covered, saturated like oil in the love of God. And we won't have to convince them. We won't have to try and tell them it. It's just going to be on them. and that love's going to get poured out on, on us first. That's the seeds He wants to plant in our soil. And if we allow our soil to rest, if we allow the nutrients to be poured into our soil as a body, as a church, as a people, then God's going to plant new seeds into us, and the harvest that we're going to bring in is going to come from this place of rest and the love of God. And the grace of God, and we're going to understand it, and we're going to get it, and God is going to bring in the greatest harvest we've ever seen, and it won't be hard work. It'll be done in rest. We'll be be pinching ourselves. We'll be going, how did this many people come to the Lord? We did nothing except rest. And God's going to say, it's my love. It's my love that's going to bring it in, not your works, not your hard work. If you connect with me, we can harvest this together. If we connect, if you can connect in relationship with me, we can bring this harvest in together and it'll be a labour of love. It'll be labour out of rest. It'll bring peace. And we're all just going to be crying. We'll be crying with joy. When we see the ones come, when they come into Jesus and we know that really all we did was connect with him to make that happen. It's amazing, isn't it? I love Jesus. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c 3 telgraorgau We hope to see you at church soon.